0: Kevin Inquiry on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. There are a few people that it more are more defined by sharp-dressed man than our next guest who joins us on the Payless Snickers Hotline. Great hair also, by the way. Uh, Rick DeMoling joins us to talk about the Colts as they get set. Reporting on Tuesday. Practice begins on Wednesday. And, Rick, I'm going to begin right away with this, and thanks for joining us this morning. First off, I guess my first question would be, what the hell are you doing up this early?
2: Well, I just got back from a nice long trip, and I got to get back working out, so the only time I can work out so my body feels good is when the kids are asleep. So, and the trip was where? Uh, We went to the Grand Tetons, Yellowstone, and then Boiseado.
0: You know, and that's, I mean, that's obviously your neck of the woods, right? Because you grew up, you kind of, not the Pacific Northwest, but pretty darn close, right?
2: Oh, yeah, I was in Washington, so we're the Pacific Northwest, and it was just great to get back and talk about God's country. It is beautiful out there.
0: It is, man. I, I've always wondered this. Obviously, I know, like, in Seattle, what that the winters are pretty mild. But when you get into, like, the Tetons area, the, the winters are probably pretty brutal, right?
2: That, I think, yeah, I mean, I've never been in the te- – this is the first time in the Tetons for me, but, man, it, they said it was up to six to ten inches of snow – or feet of snow, excuse me. Whoa. So, yeah, it, it gets pretty crazy.
0: Yeah, I, it is. I'll tell you what, if, if if anybody listening has never been to Yellowstone or the Tetons area, it is – Got to go. It, you do. I mean, it's, it's, it's one of those places that I've always said there are a few places that look just like the pictures – and then you get there and you're like, oh my gosh, like it, you could just sit and stare for hours. Like, and driving in that area is is funny when you're on the interstate because I think the time goes fast because you're just staring constantly. You know what I mean?
2: Oh yeah. I mean, the, the Tetons, that's what like a mountain should look like. I mean, rugged and just <laughs> you're right. beautiful. And then you're driving through Yellowstone and you're just, uh, have your eyes peeled for any animal. I mean, we saw obviously bison everywhere, bear, elk, I mean, bald eagles, it's just amazing. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, the worst thing is just driving because, I mean, driving kills my back, but it was worth it.
0: Now, I'm curious. So you go on vacation, you come back, you're getting back in the swing of things. I would think that as an NFL player, this time of year feels like when you were a kid on the first day of school. You're excited to see everybody and get reacquainted at first, and then – After a couple days, reality kicks in, and you're like, man, this sucks. What is the mindset of a player at this point right now? If you are on the Colts roster, what's going through your mind?
2: Did I do enough? (laughs) Holy crap, am I ready for this? Like the first two years as a rookie, you have no idea what to expect, right? And so you're just going in kind of blind, and you're just, you don't know anybody really yet. You know, maybe a couple of people, so you don't have that familiarity with it. Like, oh, but, man, you're going in just like, did I do enough? Oh, my gosh, I'm going to die. This is miserable. My first year was Mora's, Jim Mora's last year, and he was one of like the last, for the Colton, he was one of the last like old-school coaches. And it was grueling. Um, I mean, you're down in – we were in Terre Haute at the time, and I, I promise you it feels like you're in like a, a bowl where there's no wind. So it's just hot, humid, sticky, and zero wind. It's protected by trees and a little bowl and – um, but yeah, you're just hoping like I hope you don't die. That's kind of like that's how I felt. like I coming from the midwest or not from the Midwest being on the West coast, like you don't have humidity. So coming into this was just like this is this is crazy. What are we doing here?
0: I gotta ask, even though this isn't the topic of the conversation, Rick, but I loved more from a media standpoint, I love Jim Mora, and I loved him. That's for sure, I, I talked to him probably two or three years ago, and he was wonderful. But I didn't play for him, and I know that he was—you know—he's your military guy, right? So kind of old school. Um, I think he. I, my guess is obviously as a coach he was demanding, but was the reward with the demand from him?
2: You know, it, it was hard to say. So that was, like I said, my rookie year was his last year, and we weren't very good. We were, I think, six and ten. Um, but like you said, it, he came with a great sound bites, right? I mean, there's some great stories oh, from leading up to that, that entire year that I look back and they're hilarious. But during the time, it was like, oh, my gosh, this is crazy. And obviously with the reward, we weren't winning, so it's kind of hard to really say that.
0: <laughs> that we so were you – I'm, I'm trying to think if that was his last year. I can't re- recall. Was that the playoffs year? Yeah, that was that year, right? The San Francisco yeah. loss? Yep. Yeah, that was when Jim Moore decided to challenge Peyton Manning, and that didn't go so well. Um, Nope. Did you ever, Rick, as a player – you know, you played – obviously you established yourself in Indianapolis. You played for the Colts, then you go to Detroit, and then you know back here, and then it ended, I think, in Washington. But did you ever go into a training camp thinking, I'm pretty solid here, or are you constantly head on the swivel looking for other players that might have surpassed you in the offseason?
2: Uh, When I got to the Colts, obviously I didn't know what to expect, so I wasn't thinking. I I was late seventh-round pick, so I'm like, okay, I know I'm expendable. Just do what I can to make the team. Second year, it looked like I was going to be the starter, but I still wasn't solidified. But I would say like third and fourth year, I felt relatively comfortable. Um, And then up in Detroit, it was a disaster. My, My body went, my mind went, and so I wasn't performing. So that's when I was like, well, they can cut me at any time. And then my last year in uh, DC, it was literally like, okay, I'm doing this last year and then I'm calling it quits. So I was kind of like prepared for anything. Um, But yeah, I mean, that's a pretty common thing for a lot of guys outside of guys that have been in it for like, Five years. Like Quentin Nelson probably isn't looking over his shoulder, right? Thinking, like, oh, who's going to replace me? Even though they had a down year, you're probably not thinking that. But like, that's the vast majority of reality for the, or the reality for the vast majority of players. Like, okay, who's coming to take my spot? How can I stay here? And so, like, yeah, there's like an anxiety there, I would assume. Can you elaborate on my mind went? Oh, yeah. I just was not mentally there in regards to, like, hey, this is what I have to do. I was in pain. I wasn't playing well. so like we always used to call it like you're you're in the tank, right? Your mind's in the tank, your body's in the tank. you're just not you're not there mentally or physically. Like you're just kind of trying to survive.
0: And can you tell when teammates are in the tank?
2: Oh, yeah. like the body language, just the way that they interact with you, how if they're standoffish. If all they talk about is negative stuff. So it's pretty easy to see, and um, I mean, it's not everybody who's in it, but it's one of those things that is—it's <laughs> pretty common. So when when
0: that happens, though, you know, I would think that Rick Rick Demulling is our guest. I I, I would think that you fifty percent of you is compassionate because it's a teammate and a you know probably more often than not, if it's a position player, it's it's a friend but at the same time maybe even frustrated because you need the guy to get out of the tank in order to make your job easier and to make the unit click. So h- how do you balance it? Whose job is it to go to that guy and go, look, man, what's going on? Or, or do you just let it naturally run its course?
2: I think a little bit of both, right? I mean, because we've – in the old line room, anyways, you feel like you, everybody's been there at one point. You know, some people saying it for longer. I mean, it could be something that you're in the tank for a day, you're in the tank for a week. So it's typically not something that you're in for an entire season. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the O-line room in Indy was extremely close, and we would always kid with each other. and So we had that type of relationship where you could say, hey, man, what's up, and try to get you out of it. But ultimately, it's up to the player to be able to get their mind right and to get back on track.
1: It's Kevin and Query on this Thursday morning. Former Colt Rick DeMulling joining us right now on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Rick, training camp was drastically different when you played uh, two-a-day practices, long hours in the heat. Now that's very different with the collective bargaining agreement terms. Uh, do you think the reduced practices is a good thing or a bad thing as far as getting prepared for the season?
2: You know, I think it's a, a good thing because, it, one, it helps the, their longevity of the player, it helps their body, and it helps them perform later in the season because if you're not beating it up right away, then it has a lot better opportunity to heal. Now, I do... I'm like, well, you don't have enough reps. And so then it comes down to the player and getting as many mental reps as I can, watching more film and just – I mean, I I got better when I didn't play by doing the mental reps. But if I didn't do my mental reps, then I was kind of screwed and didn't really know anything at that point. But I I think it depends on how the player approaches it. If they are, like, really dialed in and doing it or just taking it as, like, hey, this is cushion easy, I can just get by and just figure it out later, then that's a detriment. But I mean, I'm I'm all for it. If you're going to save your body, you you need to do that because they perform better late in the season and have a longer career.
1: When it comes to joint practices, did you have many joint practices when you played it? And if you did, did you find those as more beneficial than preseason games, or just about the same?
2: No, I we did. So we were up in or down in Tennessee. I can't remember what it was, first year or second year. Um, I loved it because you get kind of used to going the same guys. Like I mean. I knew what Josh Williams was going to do. He knew what I was going to do, but if we went against different guys, I mean, just the intensity one stepped up and then two is just better experience for everybody all the way around. Um, In regards to that being, I think it was better than a game because a game is just one off here. You're kind of, you're going against the guys, I don't know, four or five days. I don't know if it's an entire week or not, Um, but yeah, I felt that very beneficial and um, it helped everybody all the way around. Now, it's kind of stunk because you're like, oh crap, the intensity is stiffing up and you're really during training camp. Your mindset is survival. Can't um, be in the tank at in that
1: th- th- at those days.
2: Oh no. You, I mean, you got, you had to get out of the tank quickly or you're, you're heading home type of thing. And it's just a grind back then. Right. I mean, I'm not saying that they don't work hard now, but I know like even the generations previous to when I was playing, they worked harder than we did during training camp. Right. But it's just progressively gotten easier, not, not easy, but easier. I've always wondered, Rick,
0: when those joint practices take place, I remember going, um, I think it was in Champaign, Illinois, probably just before you, but, uh, when the Colts and Rams did them. I mean, you know, they, and this year it's going to be the, the Eagles, or the Bears, who is it this the year? Bears, the Bears yeah. at Westfield and Eagles, le- no, Eagles later, too. Um, but it, at any rate, do you think coaches talk to the other franchises coaches to say hey throw us this look like when we're out there doing something maybe not in a preseason game but during those workouts is there any design of reciprocity at all amongst the coaches to present looks that the other team requested because that's what they want to work against
2: I gotta without knowing for sure I gotta think yes right I mean they both teams want to get better there's no no, if you lose the game or don't do well in practice, there you're not going to get fired, right? So this is the time that they're going to be more apt to do that. They're not—that's not, not going to happen in a regular season game, obviously. But I got to think that happens, right? Hey, that's an easy thing. You talking to the D line or the D coordinator from the other team? Hey, if you have a chance, if you can work on this while we're doing this, that would be phenomenal. And he would shoot that back. Hey, if we can we, you know, short yardage? Can you work on this play? Um, I got to think that happens pretty regularly. Do you think that there is Rick Tomlin anything
0: to read into uh two parts for the Colts as they get set for training camp as a franchise? Is there anything in any way shape or form that you can read into or point to why the Colts have gotten off the slow season starts? I mean, it, you know, at the beginning of the year and then secondly, the injury standpoint. It does feel like they have injuries more than other franchises, but maybe that's because I cover the Colts and we talk about it more than we talk about the Arizona Cardinals. You know what I mean? But can can you touch on either one of those?
2: Yeah, I got to think that it's pretty even across the board. Sometimes some teams do get the injury bug for whatever reason. I mean, a lot of it is just just happens, right? You have grown three hundred and thirty pound men running into each other and trying to hit each other as hard as they can. You're bound to get hurt. Um, right, So I don't know if there's like a disparity and like the Colts get hurt more often than not. I, I think it's pretty common, you know, over a five year span, pretty equal over all the entire teams. Um, so in that regard, no. And as far as like the slow start, I, I, that drove me crazy as a fan. Right, sitting there like, what is going on? These teams, like I've, on paper, phenomenal teams. Right, you have a lot of All Pro guys that have, you know, been All Pro in the past. You think that they're going to come out guns a blazing, and I don't know if it was the organization just having like more of a low key, you know, not a sense of urgency. Um, but I can't really speak into that for not being in the locker room or anything like that. I, I just it, it just sucked as a fan to sit there and see like, okay, you have all this talent but not producing early in the season. You know, it's not detrimental. You can still make the playoffs, but it does set you up for having to really fight and claw at the end of the the year.
0: How intrigued are
2: you, Rick
0: DeMulling, by this year's – you know, we know the faces, for the most part, of the offensive line. There is clearly individual talent on the offensive line, but yet it has yet to gel to the level of cohesiveness of the lines that you were on, for example. How intrigued are you by this year's line, and what does a line do – To create that cohesiveness
2: yeah great question Um, I am extremely intrigued obviously so last year was a down year the previous year they were great I mean we're not that far removed from them being a phenomenal offensive line strength of the team and even like one of the best in the league I I don't know what could have caused last year there's a a multitude of reasons um, but I truly am excited to watch them play this year and watch them. they are going to be the reason why this offense goes this year, right? I mean, you have Anthony Richardson, who is a wild card in regards to what he can do. You have Jonathan Taylor. You put those two guys in an offensive line that is plain, they're going to – they could be pretty scary. Now, I don't know, you know, Anthony's um, – much about him in regards to passing, but, I mean, he's a freak athlete. So you get him running the ball, Jonathan running the ball, the offensive line, they're going to be pretty phenomenal, uh, I think. They're, they could be a pretty scary offense to play. Um, and it, uh, now I forget the next question that you said or the what the lead-in was.
0: Well, just, you know, exactly that. I mean, like, what, what sorts of things... I mean, do you guys stay in touch as a line over the course of the offseason, or maybe is it even better to kind of get away from each other in the course of the offseason to create that solidarity over the course of the year? Yeah,
2: yeah really for us, um, what I remember, the best thing that we did was just, year together. Like, not just in the O-line room, not just at practice, but we'd go have dinners, go have, you know hang out together as much as possible. Obviously, a lot of people are married and they have their lives, but it was just, that's for me doing things outside of football. And then I big proponent of like, as, even though it's stunk going through training camp, going through something hard together really helps gel people together. I mean, it, it can fracture people as well, but it depends on what kind of leadership you have in that room. I mean, you could have like a horrible, horrible time in regards to like how grueling training camp is. But if you have the right leadership, it's, It's almost enjoyable, and it brings people together, right? Because you're sitting there, you're going through the same adversity. You're going through the same trials and tribulations, and that tends to bring people together. Now, it can fracture, like I said, if you don't have the right leadership to kind of pull you together. Um, But, yeah, I think spending the time together is the way that you, you bond and the way that you trust somebody.
1: Kevin and Query on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Rick DeMulling joining us for another couple of minutes. You mentioned it a little bit, Rick. Uh, Anthony Richardson, Jonathan Taylor. As a fan right now watching this team heading into camp, what are the biggest storylines that have your interest levels raised?
2: It's going to be how many reps does Anthony Richardson get? Does he, is he, I mean, I can't, I don't think he's starting out at number one. I don't know yet. Um, but like, how is he understanding the offense? How is he taking command of the offense? and then the what respect is he getting from the i mean cuz it, it, you're going to have to earn your respect and i don't think he's the type of kid like i met him one time and he was just you know look me in the eyes with my hands and things that you look for um, however he needs to earn the respect of the entire offense and of the team for that matter and that all signs for me point to that's what he's doing he's putting in the work he's not you know showing up thinking that he's got it all together, and he's not thinking that he's going to be giving it to him. right? I think that's where a lot of these young guys fall into when they have troubles early on is when they show up, think it's just going to be given to them. So I think you can just see how he interacts with the team and the team interacts with him. That'll be the big telltale sign for me.
0: Rick, I don't recall whether or not – I mean, I'm sure that it was the case. I don't recall any sort of like really big contract – issues of, amongst teammates of yours when you were there? I mean, I, I'm sure it took place, but obviously when Peyton Manning was your quarterback, you know, and was well entrenched by the time you got here, so th- th- there you have piece A and that everybody knew Edwin James was going to be the running back. Um, how do you handle it as a teammate when you have guys that you know are going through a contract negotiation or even dispute and you know that their best interest may be to detach a little bit from the team unit, how do you not like hold resentment
2: there? At the end of the day, it's a business, right? It really, that part really sucks about the NFL because I gr- I grew up in college where it was that's where you were. There's no there was no transfer portal, there was none of that, so there was more like to me a lot more loyalty. So that carried over like into the NFL, but then quickly you find out it's a business. Like you, you love the person you're with the person. You you want them to do what's best. You want everybody on the team to get paid as much as they can. Right. I mean, that, that should be the mindset. It should never be, Hey, they shouldn't get paid. That money should go here, here, and here. Like, no, you want everybody to get paid as much as they can because it's such a short window to make a living in this, in this league. I mean, some people are blessed to play for 20 years, crazy like that. Some people are in and out in in a couple of months. So you want them to get paid as much as possible. And there's typically no animosity, at least in the O line room, right? We were all for each other. And I, I can't speak for any other position group or any other team, but as far as the Colts in the early two thousands, it seemed like everybody was pulling for each other. Right. And you knew who was probably gonna get paid. We had some really high big earners and we had like a lot of role players like myself. I didn't I knew I was not gonna get paid the fifteen million dollars a year. That just wasn't my where I was. And so I think you're pulling for everybody and that that's what makes a team better. Or right, if you start sitting there having, like, this person shouldn't got paid, then that starts crumbling from the inside out. And then that, to me, shows zero leadership.
0: Okay, speaking of leadership, Rick, I'm curious of this before we let you go. I want you to envision a situation back when you were a player in the Colts locker room. Rough game, things aren't going well, guys are sitting there staring at the floor, and one player steps up and goes, "Guys, like we got to get this together. Let's go. Let's rally." And everybody says and everybody rallies behind that player. The natural for people listening, the natural answer is going to be Peyton Manning because he was the quarterback, the face of the franchise and, and arguably the greatest player to play the game. We know that. Aside from Manning, tell me the player when I mention that scenario to you that you recall or could envision seeing that people would be surprised by
2: surprised by. Um, I mean, my first thought is Jeff Saturday, uh, but I don't know if people will be surprised about that. I mean, he was he was fiery. He got after it. I mean, I, I love playing with Jeff, and um, the other guy would be Marcus Pollard, tight end. Um, he was pretty vocal. Let's get after it, but to be honest with you, it was a pretty... If that happened, we'd have to be... Something serious had to be going on, because we didn't typically... Even if it was one game, everybody kind of bounced back and knew, but um, that didn't happen too often. We were had some pretty solid teams and it continued into the in the mid-2000s there, so 2005, 6, 7. Um, but, yeah, that didn't happen too often. But I would say Jeff Saturday and Marcus Pollard. So what is
0: life like for you between now and when you're able to sit down, enjoy a cold beverage, and watch the Colts?
2: <laughs> really, it's just trying to – I have to do my functional exercises because my body is so beat up and – trying to figure out that. So if I don't do my exercises, it's hard to get out of bed. But really, it's just trying to stay healthy as I, as I can. My wife's a, a, an amazing health coach, so she has got me going in the right track. Uh, we own an insurance agency. So just trying to figure out life, being a parent and a, and a husband.
0: Well, we're happy that uh, you're still around. We look forward to talking to you over the course of the year, Rick. And welcome back from the Tetons. I certainly appreciate the time this morning.
2: Absolutely. Y'all be good, and go Colts.
0: Hair looks great, by the way. Rick DeMulling on the Payless Liquors Hotline. By the way, one thing I should elaborate on real quick before we get to the morning checkdown: down. Uh, when I mentioned Jim Mora went up against Peyton Manning, what I meant by that was that playoffs rant, people probably forget. The Colts were playing San Francisco. They had several turnovers in the game, including a couple of pick sixes to the Niners, and Mora had been riding Manning a little